Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. That was different and new. Saying it different, not not saying Toffee Blue for you like I did before. It's uh, yeah. Try let me. I'll get used to it one day. Uh, this is Jerry coming to you, recorded and not live from North Carolina in the states. Uh, with me today, I've got Terrence Terry. Yeah, whatever you want to call him, Terold. Uh, yeah, he's good. Tertiary. Uh, yeah, that works. Uh, Terry, uh, good to talk to you, man. Glad you're glad you're back. Thanks, man. Good to speak to you. Yeah. Uh, so we almost didn't make it. Uh, there's been all number of nonsense that has happened to keep us from recording this uh, this whole session. Uh, it's been frustrating. We've had. Windows laptop updates that have lasted hours. We've had uh, power outages in downtown Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Everything you can think of has held this back. What did you say about this particular pod, Terry? It was God about the universe or something? Yeah, the whole universe is trying to stop this pod from happening. So if it does go out, it's the pod that defied God. The pod that defied God. I think that should possibly just be the tagline for this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all the time the pod that defied god uh <laughs> um so yeah we're we're definitely glad glad to be here though um i have no intro planned uh <laughs> what we never, i just really plan them they're always spontaneous and never thought of. Uh, it's always just natural human interaction isn't it <laughs> uh <laughs> uh yeah uh I don't even know where to go at this point, Terry. Uh, where should I go? Hmm. Just give me an idea for a lightning round question. John, edit all this out. In fact, never play this again. Um, what is it? What's a good What's a good topic? Because I don't want it to be anything that we're discussing later. Uh, VAR? Nope. Discussing it later. Um, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm I'm puzzled. I I had like a few topics beforehand, and I I've got nothing else. Uh, we gotta hurry too. Um, I really don't know where to go on this. Should it be football related, or should we t- should we talk about about Everton at all, or about anything in the league at all? Besides, VAR is the hot topic, but that's in the middle bit. Yeah. Um, talk about Lampard at Chelsea, something like that. I don't know. Just sprang to mind. Nah, big big crap. That isn't it. It's like it's another team specifically on an Everton podcast. Now, it's a stupid idea. Yeah. Uh, this is ridiculous. John, I'm sorry you're having to listen to this. I'm almost thinking we should just start this over. Uh, let's see here. Um, I went to see the new Tarantino film. Okay. All right, John, delete all of that. 
Got it? Have you done it? Great. All right. So, so Terry, give me a good topic to discuss. It, it's good to launch the show with, and we'll and we'll go from there. Um, I mean, we could stick to stick to the uh, forum and, and discuss. Uh... Nope. I was going to say, I was, that was my cue for you to talk about the new Tarantino film. Oh, no, no, I was, uh, yeah, okay. Oh, is that what you were doing? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was trying to pretend <laughs> it was spontaneous and I had him. John, just, John, this is a hot mess and it's usually my fault. All right, so, start this over. Clean just totally, I don't know, I don't know. Let's John, cut all that part out. So, so Terry, what has been going on with you? What have you been, what have you done for the past couple of days? Give me the highlight. Um. Yeah, I've had a good weekend. Um, had a little anniversary with the uh, with the wife. Um, oh. Ironically, not my wedding anniversary. That's in a in a week and a half at the t- uh, as a recording. But the overall anniversary of when we got together. So it'd been ten years. So you have like a yeah. you have like a dating anniversary too. Not not normally. It's just because it was ten years this weekend. Um, yeah. Next year we won't have a dating one. Um, because we would do, but the wedding one is two weeks after the date one. So, if what if there was a little bit more space between them, we may do. But we have an um, just the wedding one, and because it was a ten years one, we've been together ten years for the date one. We went with that. But uh, yeah, went to uh, see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Quentin Tarantino film. Um, and let me guess, you hated it. You know what? It's it's strange. <laughs> I, it's, it's one of those weird things where I don't really know what I think yet. So obviously, I'm not going to spoil it. Oh, see, I was joking. I was being so sarcastic. So I, I figured you. It was it was awesome. I've heard but, good things. No, no, I, I, I'm not for one second suggesting it's not good. It, it is good, but I don't know whether it's amazing or whether it's just okay. I can't sort of get a bead on it. You know, where you feel like you need to watch it again. Um, yeah. So. I will say that it um, it's worth going to see. It's definitely I would not discourage anyone from seeing it if you like Tarantino. Um, the acting in it is is really good. You you can just see you can see from the poster that it's going to be, you know, just you know loads loads of schlubby fun. Um, just from the based on who's in it, um, and it, it it is got some very you know funny moments that you'll uh, you'll really appreciate. So. Um, I just want to see it again because it does that Tarantino thing where it subverts your expectations. You think it's going to do one thing and it does something else. And then you think, oh, well, I know what it's going to do now because last time it did what I wasn't expecting. And then it was a third thing and you didn't expect that either. So you can't, you can't catch the, the film catches you out no matter what you do. You're, you never, you never see coming what's going to happen. It's, it, it is good. I just need to see it again to get a proper bead on it. It's know whether I, I love it or whether it's just okay. I, I don't know. A little bit. Do you do you like that feeling, like not knowing, like being feeling a little conflicted? Because yeah. some people really like that. You know what I mean? Um, no, not especially. I mean, I, I like to if I, I like to think something's amazing on first viewing, but it, I don't. It doesn't. I don't. You know, hold it against the film or, or anything like that. Where it may, you know, it's a bit of a thinker. This one isn't a thinker per se. Where it's you know, it's got deep messages or anything like that. It's just. I found the Hateful Eight was like this. It's it's not like the Hateful Eight. I came out of the Hateful Eight thinking it wasn't very good, and when I've seen it subsequent times, it's gone up from dislike to it's okay, which huh. from a usually you know exemplary amazing director is is still below his you know his par um, for me anyway personally. But this one is sort of like I think it's good. I think it's a a 
6.5 to 7 out of 10 but will I see it again it'll go up to a 9 you know I'm a bit like that it's it's a real mm-hmm. strange one because it's such a it's such an unorthodox film that you know the, the way it's structured I'm trying so hard not to give anything away but it's it's all right it's, it's not like Django and Chains or Glorious um, Bastards or anything like that where it's it's very much a Tarantino film but it's a coherent thread of of um story this one's very much choppy and moves around and you know it, some characters you think are going to do one thing and they end up going another way and so on it's it's a thinker it's a straight it's a strange one can you compare it to another one of his movies um oh, not really okay it, that's cool um can i it's more like um, the Hateful Eight than any of the others, but it's better than the Hateful Eight. I think it's mm-hmm. not it's not as dragged out as the Hateful Eight, and it's got a much stronger ending. Whereas I that was my problem with the Hateful Eight that it sort of peaks at like the eighty mm-hmm. percent stage and then carries on for another you know like another half an hour of film. Uh, mm-hmm. This one it builds into an appropriate crescendo right at the film, so it's a, it's more of a normal upswing in story it's not it doesn't go up and down like the hateful eight but it's more like the hateful eight in structure than any of the others wow all right good to know i'm still i'd say it's very probable i will not get to see it in theater because life Mm. literally i think i cashed in one of my my most recent film viewing experience when i went and saw midsummer with my buddy kyle and yeah it's by the way that is I know you don't like scary movies, so you would not like it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think we've even talked about that before. So yeah, it's probably going to be a while before I say anything. Um, so good to know. Uh, now I'm now I'm I'm prepared for the unexpected, which is good because I was going to expect what I've already seen from him repeatedly. So I'm glad I'm not. That's cool. Um, so let's, let's move on to actual Everton things because someone just told me in my ear just now that this is actually an Everton podcast. Uh, so just to sum up what's happening, this particular podcast, it is just me and Terry, uh, on this one. Um, everyone else has, uh, prior, prior engagements, so many social engagements, so little time. Everyone else gonna... young. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, <laughs> and the basement of the show. <laughs> uh, but we are going to start with the Watford Extra Time show. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more detail. I know we've already done a reaction for this particular uh, for for the channel. Uh, if you if you check out the YouTube channel, you can see that reaction. But this will be this will be a little bit longer, a little bit more in depth. Um, then we'll do uh, something a little new called the middle bit, and it happens in the middle and it's a it's a question uh pulled from twitter that terry and i will acknowledge give a little attention to and we'll say who it's from uh then we're going to talk about formation uh could everton possibly benefit from a formation shift to 433 question mark something else question mark let's talk about it all right and then we'll we'll finish up with a lightning round uh terry's been foaming at the mouth for a lightning round so we're gonna we're going to make that happen. I, I just hope I can uh, live up to what he's expecting. Uh, I feel like I, I may have to start putting more questions on these because I feel like they're over so quickly. Lightning. Isn't that crazy? That's, 
Not a misnomer. All right, so let's get started. Watford Extra Time Show. Uh, 1-0 win. Everton brings brings home all three points. It's nice. Uh, one of those games, Terry, that i got to be honest, in the past, I feel like we blow that. Mm. Uh, I feel like we find a way to to draw there or we find a way to just collapse. Uh, not a perfect, not a perfect display from Everton on Saturday, but I gotta be honest, um, I like, I like a little, a little non-wavering, you know what I mean? I like a little, a little bit of, uh, sticking fast and finding a way to win. Um, what, what are your opening thoughts on, on, the the Watford match on, on Saturday? I mean, three points more than anything. Yeah. It's three points. It, it reminded me a lot of the games that, um, you know, in the middle bit of last season where we were terrible and we were losing a lot of games. It reminded me of one of those games, only this time we had a good defence. Where in the middle chunk of last season, the defence was really, really poor and, you know, conceding from set pieces. And if we play that game um, at that time last season, then we'd lose it rather than win. Whereas this time, we got the goal and the only part of the team I'm really, you know, confident about in the sense of they've you know they've hit the ground running for the season is the back five you know like the back for the the four defenders and the uh, the goalkeeper like the other players all across the pitch for you know varying reasons seem to be get, you know getting into the season at um different you know different speeds and some of them seem to be you know fitter than others and you know some of them seem to be you know clicking a little bit more you know with the with, with the players around them some of them you know, obviously can't help that because they've been in international tournaments, so they're new to the club and all that. But the back uh, four and the goalkeeper, straight away, they've got into it. They've carried on the form that we saw in the um, run of games at the end of last season, where we were, where we were really good. They, those five individuals, have carried that form into this season. And this is when you want to, you know, it's 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 so important that when you're not playing well and you you know you're bedding in and. You know, you're looking to settle things down before the international break. When uh, the play traditionally, when everyone comes back from the first international break, that's when the season really gets going. This early section before that, you want to be taking as many points as you can because it stands you in good stead for when everyone else gets their act together. Um, because we're gonna need, you know, to be taking points off these these type of teams if we're gonna improve yeah. on last season. So Terry, in the past, you've been really down on Yeri Mina. Uh, are you eating a little humble pie on this one now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Michael Keane, Yeri Mina. I just I, I never get any of the bucks, right? Do I? <laughs> I hope these people who are you know watching and listening for the first time, they're like, why didn't he like Yeri Mina? Yeah, well, he loves him, and he's one of the people who was actually to be to be fair. I wasn't naysaying Yerry Mina at any point. I was just worried about his fitness, period. It's always been my big knock on Yerry Mina. Stay healthy. And to be fair, he still hasn't done that yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing that a lot of people's big knock on Yerry Mina for them was more it gives him, a, gives him a heart attack when he's got the ball in possession in the back. That has been totally unfounded so far this season. Mm-hmm. He, he looks composed. He looks he looks really good, like man to man defending. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize his mobility was that good, being able to kind of you know lock down defenders like that. I, I just I, you knew he was great at clearances because he's he's like eight feet tall and he's got like a four foot vertical leap. So <laughs> of course he should be able to clear the damn ball out, right? But uh, he's he's just a really 
smart defender, the way he crowds uh, the way he crowds somebody with with you know the the attacker with the ball enough if their backs to him to not foul them. He crowds them to make them uncomfortable mm-hmm. and kind of gets up on them, but he does not actually foul them. He's he's smart and the guy is snide. Mm. I love his snide, getting all up in, getting all up in, uh, getting all up in. Uh, uh, was it uh, Jerry's Jerry's face for uh, diving too easily? <laughs> my um, my brother-in-law actually texted me after the game, going, "I love Jerry Mina. He must have he must have a ninety-nine aggression stat on FIFA because he's just <laughs> just squaring up to everyone." Um, yeah, I just I great. mean Mina's. Mina's starting to show now why you know the club bought him and why they you know they chased him all last summer and spent a decent amount of money on him. He's got he's got all the tools physically. He's a good defender. Obviously, he still hasn't put a run of games together. There's still always that lurking sort of worry that he could you know get injured. Plus, people need. I hope, what I hope we don't do. It's what we do to sometimes, sometimes some players build them up too much while things are going well. Because he will have a bad game. He will. He, he's at some point he's going to give a goal away or yeah. a penalty or something because he's a very, you know, very uh, rash. Um, some would say defender. He's very, you know, takes chances, which you know so far have been coming off for him. But he, he, you know, he's he's always got that bit of moments of madness in him that you can that will creep up at some point. But. It's just something we're going to have to learn as fans in general, not just for Mina, that you can't, you know... If you're going to have a young team, which we are, you're going to have to expect, you know, learning situations with them. They're going to have inconsistencies. They're going to have issues. But right now, Mina, Keane, Luca Dean, uh, Coleman and Pickford, all of them have just been fantastic. They've been absolutely solid because, okay, you know, Crystal Palace and Watford aren't, you know, free-scoring super teams, but they've had, you know, very, you know physical strikers up against them. They've had to deal with Troy Deeney, you know, Christian Benteke. These are, you know, players who are gonna, you know, go to go to war with them and it's suited the the two centre backs down to the ground. And we may see a little bit different when they come up against like smaller, you know, quicker centre forward to try and play a different game with them. We might see them struggle a little bit against them. But right now, can't knock them. They've been you know what I mean has had two man of the match performances for me. Yeah. Um uh, Mina's getting all the attention. Michael Keane has has quietly been going out of bu- about his business, which is awesome. Um, he's just kind of picked up where last season left off. Uh, looks very solid. Looks good in a partnership with Mina. Although I feel like there there's aspects which make them very similar. Um, you you know, Seamus Coleman has been doing all right. He's been steady. Uh, you can't say he's creating as many opportunities as Luca Dean is, but. He's getting forward some. He's he's you know defending well on the flank. He's doing all right. Luca Dean's injury uh, is one of the worst things to come from the match, uh, and us having to throw in Holgate late to go in on the right and Coleman on and shift over to the left because Baines was not on the on the bench that day. Um, we still survived. Still survived. Still you know. <laughs> Kept the kept the butt cheeks together. Uh, managed managed to kind of make sure it was all right. It was nice, uh, but that's the big problem. And with a hamstring injury, you don't really anticipate him playing the next game. Uh, so Leighton Baines probably will will come back in. Uh, and Coleman swing back over to the right. I think Baines, um, Baines is injured at the minute. I'm not sure how long for, but he's, he's that's why he wasn't on the bench. He's not available at the minute. Baines, no somebody. 
I, I just saw a story today where he's gonna he's supposed to come in and, and play for him. So I don't know. Is he is he still injured or I don't know about still, but he was at the weekend. I mean hopefully he's back for this game, but um mm-hmm. I think Silver said though that I mean, it's sad if it's got to this, but um, it, that Fabian Delph will be um, fit for this next. Oh yeah. So in a pinch, he could go in at left back or a header because I would rather see that than mm-hmm. than Coleman at left back and Holgate at right back if both the left backs. Yeah. Did. Fabian Delph at the at left back is not the worst, not the worst thing in the world. Um, we were talking about it when we were doing our squad depth analysis. Uh, I had forgotten that that is a possibility and then it hit me i'm like oh yeah he played a lot for the friggin league league champions last season at that same position not the worst case in the world so that may be possible man you may be right i mean i think you know if either of the uh the two left backs can can play i think they will even if mm-hmm. it even if they like just pass a fitness test on the day the same way that uh, gomez did but there's always you know delf to make a debut because it's not it, it is a auxiliary sort of left back but you know it could be a lot worse he it's not like he oh he can't play there we'll put him there he played there once no he's played there a lot and he played there at a high level so i wouldn't be i wouldn't like it but i wouldn't be worried if we started with delphi left back against aston villa right on uh besides the you know pickford and the and the back line um anybody else you feel uh stood out because I mean, I feel like you go man man of the match immediately. You jump to the keeper in the back line because because they played they were so sound. There was a miscommunication here or there, but not that many. Did all right for the most part. Um, but the fact that we struggled to put together some opportunities or put together just in many opportunities at all, uh, it kind of makes you a little wary uh, as far as chances creating chances down the down the line. Um, Anybody you felt like performed well out of those, or was it mainly you're thinking more about the the ones who struggled? Um, I think Andre Gomez played well, considering he probably wasn't completely fit. I mean, it's so apparent now compared to when he went off um, against Crystal Palace. So when he was on the pitch for Crystal Palace and when he was on the pitch for Watford against Watford, compared to the spell that he wasn't on the pitch, he is the heart of the team. Like he is so important. Like he's the player that they all give the ball to. He's the engine of the team. He, the whole system relies on him because of his range of passing, and you know he, he's the uh, he's the ball to take the pressure off when the defence have got it. He's the player the other players in attack look to if they you know they run down a blind alley, they turn, they look where's Gomez, we'll give it to him, and he'll recycle the ball to another better attacking position. He, if I could make him, if I could wrap him in cotton wool between every game, I would because he's so important to every play. So I think he played well. Um, seen him play better, but obviously you got to you know factor in the fact that he wasn't completely fit because he'd only yeah. just made the game. Mm-hmm. As far as struggling, I my immediate jump is to Richarlison. Not really having. Mm. I just felt like he gave the ball away very cheaply and often. Um, you see that sometimes with Richarlison. You see it with Sigurdsson lately too. Kind of trying to take chances on quick passes, and it's just like, you know, foot off here or there, and it allows the defender to to get a hold of it, uh, and it's just basically saying, "Here, guys, have the ball." Sigurdsson's done it a lot the first two matches. Uh, Richarlison definitely definitely did it this game a lot. Um, 
So he's if I'm thinking of someone who just didn't have their best game, Richarlison, he also had a couple of guilt ed chances with his noggin and it, you know, put it over, got under both times, yeah. you know? So, especially the last one. Mm-hmm. The last one, I mean, if I I'm not saying I would have made it. I'm just saying if I think I could have made it, maybe there's a problem because he is 110 million times better than I am. <laughs> So, yeah, if I'm thinking, you know, I might have been able to nail that. No, that's a problem. All right. Um, And it's possible, you know, playing against his old team. I just don't. I just maybe think he just had an off day. And that's it's as easy as that. You know, Uh, we we put in Walcott for him, which I know everybody was like, okay. (laughs) You know, we're like, yeah, we want him out. But Walcott, uh, sometimes he scores. And, And Walcott did all right. Yeah. He did all right. Well, you know, it didn't really dazzle, but he did all right. Richarlison and, and uh, Iwobi have both been on international tournaments in the summer and come back to preseason really late. In fact, haven't had a preseason, so we're going to see Walcott, especially in these early weeks, because he's the one who's the most match fit. He he's had a full mm-hmm. preseason, so you know you, he's never going to throw Iwobi in ahead of Walcott at this point because you know Iwobi won't be ready and Richarlison clearly isn't completely ready. But they, they'll get there. They they're basically. You know, as a lot of players do now, international players at least, they're having their preseason now. They're sort of their preseason friendly games, which all of the other players had to build up fitness. They're doing it in Premier League games, and there's just no way around it. The only yeah. only thing you can take from it is it's not just us. Everyone, everyone's got it. But you'll see um, other clubs who've got players who are away on international tournaments, especially ones who went to the final or mm-hmm. you know won it or whatever. Like Richardson did. Like that, uh, Nicholas Pepe. I think he's only come on as a substitute for Arsenal so far, mm-hmm. and he, I think he didn't. I think he came back to training earlier than Richarlison did. Uh, don't quote me on that, but if it's not earlier, it's around the same time. So we haven't obviously got the. Well, we don't feel like we have the luxury of of bringing Richarlison off the bench every game. But I think in an ideal world, if we had everyone else fit, we would be doing that. Terry, you're so fair. You're so fair. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Jerry. Richarlison looked like shit, but you know what? He's a human. He's a human being, says Terry. He's a man. <laughs> He's right. He hasn't had much of a preseason. I'm just pointing out he looked a little meh, all right? Because I expect, you know, Richarlison, man. I want pigeon dancing. Bring me my Richarlison, the normal one. <laughs> He'll be back soon enough. I'm not worried about it. It's just one of those things. That's the brilliance of having depth, you know? I do think, I, I, th- I thought we may have seen a Wobie late had we not had to make that sub for Dean going out and bringing Holgate in. I thought maybe we would have seen Iwobi coming in for Sigurdsson the last, like, five minutes. Something like that. Just to get him, you know, get him involved, you know. Yeah. Let him know, hey, you're part of things. You're part of the plan. Uh, that's what I expected. That was I was so excited for it, too. Just the idea of being able to have another option at that position off the bench. I've been waiting for it for a long time. And then it just got. I was I was waiting the whole time, and then pfft, went away. <laughs> Luca Dean tweaks his hammy. Not cool. Mm. Um. So not a not a not a dominant performance for us. Um. I think some people watched that game, and they actually would say that it probably would have been more fair had it the result been a draw. Um. I don't care. I do not care. Uh. The op- the opposition manager can can say they deserved the win as much as they want. That's fine. Uh, At the end of the day, 
our, our defense held, and our keeper made us made a save with his face. With his face. Yeah. That's nice. I like that. It's a shame, really, because he's so good looking, isn't he? So it's ruined it. He's fine. Yeah, remember, he's normally in like dance halls with the with the strobe lights, so it doesn't really matter what people are looking like there. He's busy getting <laughs> the rave on. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't care. Oh, yeah, and he's another one who's getting super snide, and I love it. Mm. <laughs> I love him getting onto these guys. Flop Pereira, I think he got into per- him and Mina both got on Pereira, and I was like, good. Yeah. He flops there and he pretends like he's all hurt and then we get on him and then he Pereira jumps up and starts arguing with him. I'm like, yeah, why are you laying down? <laughs> we, we, missed, we missed that for so long. Just the, the, the yeah, excuse the language, the bastards in the team, the ones who, you know, who, who, got, who, who want to fight everyone no matter what. Like we, we had that in, in, um, in spades under Moyes and we, we lost it for a long time. But I think now we've got it back because... You see in preseason, everything. Even Andre Gomez, he likes to get involved and love all that. Yeah. I, love, I love players who fight for each other and you know fight for the badge. Uh, forget Agreed. how you play; just who, who want to stick up for each other and and want to get involved with the other team. Love all that. Evertonians, by yeah. right into that, especially at Goodison. Yeah, and uh, that's something I've been looking for for a while. Mm. I'm so excited to see that. Oh my gosh, just a little. I don't know. I feel like it's a little. Uh, chauvinistic to say having some cojones you know what I mean because <laughs> you know women can be brave about that kind of stuff too but that's what people have said in the past <laughs> that's you know I, I think it really snide is the best is a good way to say it though snide is a good way to say it the fi- um, figurative cojones not literal yes yes it's <laughs> uh, so um, yeah gotta be this was uh not a, not a ton ton of action during the match. I will say this is the first match in my recent memory where one of my sons sat beside me the entire match, watched the entire thing from whistle to whistle, the full ninety. Then it was sat down beside me watching the whole thing, and it was great, so great. I was like, finally, all this brainwashing is starting to pay off. Fantastic! Now I can actually celebrate with someone when we score, you know. And I'm not just I'm not just yelling, and everybody turns around in the house like, you know, <laughs> like what is wrong with you, you know? Now it's it's somebody else too. It's great. So, yeah, it's nice. Um, uh, last thing, last bit. We need to address uh, the play of Gabamin, Jabaman, Bama, whatever. JPEG. We need to address the play of JPEG and Moise Keane. How do we feel? How do we feel? I, I came out of that a lot more optimistic about about those two gents. I don't know about you. Yeah, um, Kabamin looked a lot better. I mean, still ways to go. There, you know, there's there was points where you know he was still adjusting, but he clearly got the memo about go faster, release the ball faster. But um, mm-hmm. he. He didn't have much of an understanding with with Gomez, but it's you know it's the first game together. They're going to have to you know develop that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, improved. I was um, oh, I was absolutely gutted for Moise Keane not getting one of those two goals. I mean, the first one, he's a bit he's a bit too excited. He you know he he lets loose when he could carry her a lot further. You know, a little bit of lack of composure. But that second one where he does the little turn on the edge of the box and it's, it's like m- this far off. I thought he was off. I'd, yeah. 
I thought he was outside. I was like, oh, it's not going to count anyway, whatever. So I didn't even pay attention to the fact that it was just bare. And then I was like, wait, they didn't even raise, they didn't raise the, are you kidding? You know, it's like, I, then I started really getting gutted for him. Well, I felt really you, you bad for him then. see from that move, though, that he's, and this is not a knock on Calvert-Lewin, but he's going to be more of a goal scorer than Calvert-Lewin straight away because could you imagine Calvert-Lewin getting himself that little bit of space to get that shot away? Calvert-Lewin with a shield at the ball and fed someone else in because that's the type of player he is. Whereas um, Keane was like, no, I'm going to turn this player, I'm going to make this bit of space for myself, and I'm going to smash it at goal. Just unlucky it didn't go in. So yeah, I think, um, and I think the managers alluded to this as well, because of the way Keane was at Juventus, he's not going to suddenly you know, change and he's going to be a start every you know game every week. A 90 minute player that's going to have to come gradually. I think we're going to see a lot of them introduced off the bench and into you know mm-hmm. tired defenders and try and you know get a feel for the league that way. But I think I think we can, we're going to see some goals out of him because he looks like he wants to score. He looks like he's he's aggressive in in the box and you know running yeah. around the box. And I'm just so so gutted he never scored that second chance because honestly, a few inches uh, to the right and it's in. Uh, credit to Calvert-Lewin, though. First half, he turned his defender. Ball went across his body. Defender. I don't know if it was a penalty. He did get grabbed. Went down too easily, to be fair. But he had the defender shook, and he was going to crack a left-footed shot right there. It did seem like he was going to turn the defender and crack a left-footed shot. I will say... Kind of annoyed that the referee didn't even look at VAR on that, but he looked on the De La Feo one in the second half mm-hmm. that Mina supposed and Mina hard. I don't even know if Mina made any contact, but there was contact on Calvert Lewin. Again, for me, probably not either one was a pen. Whatever, but just saying, look. That's what agitates me about this new VAR thing. It's like they're finding new ways for it to look bullshit, and I don't like that. You know, I realize new handball rule is really making, oh, it's, it, yeah, it's crap. I got it. But there's just certain times, I feel like when I watch a German, when I watch Bundesliga, I feel like they just have VAR so, they got it. They got it figured out, you know? So, anyway. So, anything else on the, for the, for this particular match? Uh, no, not really. Good three points. Hope we got um, do it again and again and again until the team clicks and then we'll, Start to expect three points rather than just hope, ideally. Yes. On Bernard got a goal. Bernard got a goal. Yeah. Unexpected. And we love it. Bring it on, Bernard. More of that. All right. Alright everybody, this is the middle bit. Uh, Toffee Blues John, he is the mastermind uh, behind the Toffee Blues uh, fan account, webpage, pretty much everything. He's like, uh, I don't know, he's like that, that computer in 2001, A Space Odyssey, Hal. Hal is John, except John's a real dude. Uh, he did uh, put out a, a question into the Twitterverse asking for some questions that people could maybe contribute and we'll answer. And we, uh, he pulled one for us to discuss. Uh, and that's what we're handling on the middle bit today. Um, this comes from James Warland. Do you know James, Terry? Do I? I think I do. No. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I was just, I just, I'm just asking. Yeah, well, that you've 
make me look silly now, Jerry, because if I say no, it's really look <laughs> like, like I'm so famous that I don't know him. And I don't think I do. <laughs> You might. Probably. I feel like a lot of I mean, a lot of the people, a lot of the Everton supporters are all like, "Oh yeah, I know that person," at least from Twitter. Yeah, um, it's a big deal, so a lot of people tweet me. So <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I, it's very I, very I anchor I, man. Yeah, very... I think I know he, he's tweeted me before. Yeah. So uh, this is from James Warland. Uh, James asks, "Should they should they show the VAR feed on the screens at the ground?" So people who are at the game have a clue what's going on. What do you think? So I let a motorbike go past my uh, house. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> that's a no-brainer. I can't understand why that hasn't been done anyway. I mean, there's, there's two grounds in the Premier League that can't have it, which is Anfield and Old Trafford. I mean, don't ask me why. I mean, I know, I know why they haven't got a big screen, but why haven't they got a big screen like the two of the biggest clubs in the league if not the two biggest clubs but whatever uh, yeah I mean I, I'm not actually I'm not against VAR as a concept in general I'd rather have the right decision but I think the problems it's running into now are twofold obviously the change of rules that they've impl- implemented to go with it I think VAR was perfect for the old rules um, The only and uh, changing it has actually made it worse Um but the stadium experience is where it's really suffering. Like that's what you know, people in the ground, and obviously, where it's becoming spoken about is journalists in the ground are you know relaying this um, this experience that you don't really know what's going on. You feel sort of um, yeah, second guess yourself if you celebrate the goal because you feel like a few seconds later there's going to be VAR check. That's that will we'll get used to that. But I think we need to mm-hmm. see on the screen, if possible, what they're checking. Um, be, just so they, it won't change anything, but the crowd will feel more involved and understand. Because currently, if you're watching on a stream or at, or at home on TV, you, you're more in the loop than someone who's in the ground. And that never used to be the way. I remember I'd come out of a match and someone who would only have watched it on television, um, they'd tell me something like, oh, yeah, that for that penalty shout that wasn't given... Yeah, it wasn't a penalty, but you thought it was in the ground. But then I would say, oh, there was something that went on in a corner, and it was a running battle, and like these two players were in each other all game. There was a different sort of knowledge base you could take from actually attending the match compared to watching it on TV. And VAR, in its current form, without seeing it on the screen, has took a lot away from the the, the stadium going supporter. So I think that if that can be done, and it's not. Um, it's not a problem too. It's a very, very, you know, inexpensive, easy, you know, fix to sort of smooth over some of the issues that the, you know, the on the day supporters are having with VAR that's taken their enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I I was really excited about VAR. I was really excited about it because I've seen because I was just again I've been aspiring to to have it function the way the Bundesliga does. I don't know why. I just feel like they've got it figured out. You know, um, is there a motion that the referee, that the official actually makes to kind of indicate that there is? Do they do they make that motion in in Premier League to kind of tell everyone, hey, we're reviewing that right now? Yeah, I think so. I think they do the, the sort of square with their fingers. Like, do like they do? Team. Do they do that in Premier League the way they do in every other league? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because I was trying to remember, I was trying to remember them actually doing that. Yeah. 
I feel like I saw him going like this, just kind of pointing to his yeah. his earpiece, like, "Hey." I think I don't. That's the only thing I remember. I don't think it's regulation. I think they, you know, they do the square thing to indicate to the supporters and to the rest of the players that they're currently reviewing it. But um, one thing they they don't do is they don't run over to the screen now, do they? Because that's just like that's not needed. It's just a piece of theatre to show the the crowd. That's what it's it's a reviewed. Um, decision when really you can you can just be told in his ear quickly by you know the the fifth official or whatever you call it um, mm-hmm. that we're reviewing the the incidents. I mean, VAR. Will, I'm I'm very very pro VAR. I I want the right decisions. I I don't want it anymore where certain clubs get preferential treatments or get the benefits of the doubt because it. VAR, for whatever fault it's got, will eradicate that because there's no way of saying it was an error now. If the problem I've got is the question about that. Yeah. Question about that. Okay. Did you see the Pogba decision? I didn't. Uh, I didn't see it. Okay. Well, I'm getting agitated because I'm worried we're running into the same thing where they're reviewing it, but you're still seeing flops get called as penalties. You know, and it just happened to be United. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that kind of, that's what I'm worried about. I don't want I don't want that feeling where I feel like certain teams are getting preferential treatment still. That's what I'm worried about. Now I'm gonna I'm not gonna assume anything. I'm gonna wait. Mm-hmm. But what you were just what you were just describing, I'm worried it's gonna continue. The same thing. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's imperfect, but I, I think a lot of the, the club favoritism will stop because you won't be able to, to justify it now. Like, oh, well, I didn't see... You know, like, do you remember Cardiff last year had goals ruled out for it? Was it goals ruled out or they conceded goals that were wrong? But it was the famous image of Neil Warnock with his hands on his head. They basically got screwed out of a game with Chelsea. And it's like, yeah. yeah, that doesn't happen the other way around. No way. No way did Chelsea get screwed by officials and lose. No I want VAR to eradicate that at any cost because it has gone on for years where certain players and certain clubs and certain managers have influence over officials. Now, what I don't like about this version of VAR we've got is the certain incidents that they will review, but then similar incidents they won't. And it's it's weird things like if that yes. stupid handball thing, um, if that leads to a goal... Um, you review it if it does, you know what I mean. It's sort of picking and choosing when it's reviewed. I want it to be consistent across yep. everything. Like I, the handball one, which everyone's going nuts about, doesn't bother me as much as that offside one for Sterling, for example. It's like I, I think that offside rule needs to be changed in light of VAR because it, technically it is correct, but it's such a his armpit is like a millimeter offside. It's like. That's not VAR. That's the the offside rule. I would prefer it personally to go back to daylight, since we can now examine, um, we can examine with with you know technology the offsides. I think the actual daylight between the players, old old way of doing offsides, should be put into effect because the very first high profile example of an offside call. It's it was just ridiculous. It was like he's you know for everyone with eyes he's onside, but slight part of his shoulder was just ahead of the opposition players like you can't call that offside for me it's just he's not offside he's in line with the player but like you know one of his chest hairs has gone offside oh yeah and where are you starting 
where are you starting his armpit? Where are you starting the shoulder? Are you measuring from, you know what I mean? Like, where do you actually yeah. start? I think <laughs> just... I think the, um, the old, if there's daylight between the players, then, you know, that can count as it. Because there's no daylight between the two of them. They're perfectly in line with each other. But mm-hmm. a goal-scoring, air quotes, part of the body is a head. So he can score with his shoulder. So he's got, like, a fraction of his shoulder is offside. Like, that's... That's a ridiculous. I, I mean, do you know how many handballs that I've seen called in the middle of the field when the ball hits their shoulder, but they they deemed it like to be too far down on the shoulder? You know what I mean? So that's. But this what we're talking about is a difficult rule. Hand handballs have been difficult to call for a long time. You know what I mean? This whole new thing. I mean, we had a. I my my kid had a three v three tournament and a and a player prevented a goal by making his silhouette bigger and the ball hit him here, right? And referee called nothing, and I was like I was like and I actually told him I was like you know there's a new rule right? I was like he made his silhouette bigger, you know, and and the referee just had no clue because he wasn't up to date. And frankly, in any world, if you're th- if you're making yourself bigger. That's supposed to be a handball. You know? I think there was one in the Arsenal game as well where the Burnley player is desperately trying to get his arm out the way, but it hits his arm anyway, and then they score off the resultant free kick that it gets given for. It's like, how can that be classed as handball? He's he smashed it, you know, attempting to cross. The, the Burnley player has swung his arm away from the ball to try and get it, but he's obviously not as fast as the mm-hmm. travelling ball. It hits his arm yeah. and changes direction. That's kind of his handball it's like well how because he can't, he's tried to move his arm out the way and just couldn't do it so mm-hmm. I, it's the rules that they've implemented to coincide with VAR are the ones that are causing the most trouble I think I think if they just left mm-hmm. the old rules from last season um, and maybe tweak one or two like the you know, the offside for daylight and whatnot that's my personal view um, then we would it'd be a lot smoother I think the They've tried to do too much too quickly, but VAR itself, I'm glad it's here. I don't want it to go away. It's not going to go away, so I don't know why people are kicking and screaming. I would rather sacrifice a little bit to get the right calls because there's a lot and too often, you know, they can deny it all they want. The, the officials, the clubs themselves, certain clubs get preferential treatment. I'm sure Everton have had preferential treatment over other smaller clubs as well. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I want a fair sport. I don't want. I don't want a sport of this elite level to be, you know, open to you know foul play, corruption, anything like that. When the technology is there and used elsewhere to rule that out, for the most part. Unless we're playing Millwall, Terry, and then they just get to score with their hands whenever they want. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. That just made me nauseous again when I thought about it. I had to share my nausea. All right. So the real the, the question here was James's question: Should they show the VAR feed on the screens at the ground so that the fans have a clue of what's going on? Terry says yes. Um, I'm of a mind that if you can, yes. You know what I mean? I feel like they do it. They do something very similar to that here in the states for NFL. Uh, that was the that was like the first place I saw video review being used, and uh, they do it a different way. They give coaches challenges, 
uh, if if there's a couple and and that way it doesn't completely slow the game to a crawl. They give the co- coaches two challenges per half. I think it's per half, mm-hmm. and they throw that challenge flag out there, and then you know so if it's a huge, crazy important moment, they have to review it. You know, um, so yeah, I don't really know that we're heading that direction. I hate, but but uh, yeah, it's tough. But the thing is, if you if you get it to where you're, I, I don't know. I know. Uh, I look at watch the Mexican Liga all the time, and they have not mastered it yet. I know last season it was so slow; it would slow games down to a crawl. They would add nine minutes of added time frequently. It's ridiculous. So they, it's just a matter. It takes a long time to to perfect VAR. It just really does. I'm with you, dude. I'm all for it. I'm all for VAR. I was sick to death of seeing people like Marcial get get away with that flop last season to basically give them a win over us. That sucked. All right? Mm-hmm. Now, would VAR have pulled that back? Well, it should have. We'll see. I don't know. All right. So, James, I think me and Terry are saying, yeah. You know, I do think it would be more fair if every stadium had the capability to be able to do that in the league. You know what I mean? Like, it should be there for everybody. Um, But whatever. All right. Well, that's it with the middle bit. Come on back. We're going to talk formations here in just a moment. Listen to some transition music now. (laughs) Um, We need to talk formation as uh, people, as they do, as is their want. Uh, that's my Matt Berry. Uh, so, uh, people have been talking. They, they, they notice how uh, completely uninspiring Everton is on the attacking end. And they're thinking, maybe we should start thinking about a formation shift. All right? We're just not having as many chances. It's really tough. Maybe we need to rethink what we're doing here. Silva has been rocking the 4-2-3-1 uh, ever since last season. Um, every once in a while he'll tweak it a bit, whatever, but everybody knows, I mean, everybody knows that Silva's preferred formation is a 4-3-3. The thinking is that when we made a bid for Decore, that that would give him the ability to be able to make a change like that and go to that formation when needed and to pull Sigurdsson out, put Decore in, you know, uh, in certain matches and maybe even moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Terry, um, number one, do you feel like uh, a formational shift would benefit Everton moving forward? Uh, number two, do you feel like we even do you feel like we have the personnel to do something like that at the moment? Well, that's the key question. Um, it wouldn't benefit benefits us at the minute because we haven't got the personnel. Like we, I think a lot of supporters are stuck in this mode where we. You know, we have an eleven set. You know, eleven players, and they're the players who play, and, and you know, one or two come on as a substitute. If we'd have got to Corey, we probably would have seen four three three a lot more with a different sort of you know formula in midfield. And that doesn't mean oh well, now you've got to sell Sigurdsson. No, like a lot of clubs have got a lot you know multiple good players and can change the system up. Like yeah. Arsenal at the minute are playing a system, and Ozil isn't in there. But if Ozil comes back in, they'll just change system. 
Um, Liverpool play obviously a four-three-three, but every now and then they'll go four-two-three-one and put um, Shakiri in there, and um, Salah goes up front, and Firmino goes behind the striker, and, and what have you. That's what I think we're going to end up getting with when Sig when we eventually get another number eight midfielder, whether it's in January the summer, um, whether it's the Corey, someone else. When we move to that, because we will, I think we will, because Silva's preferred style is that we won't just suddenly abandon Gilfie Sigurdsson and abandon the four-two-three-one. We'll move to that in some games, and you know, some games Sigurdsson will be on the bench, and some games he'll start and. And it'll be like that with a lot of players. I think we're going to be like that with Iwobi. He's not going to be a bench player or a starter. He's going to be either. And, you know, eventually Silva wants all the players to be like that. Competition for places. The idea of no one's no one is safe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, I think we will switch to 4-3-3. We'll see it at some point this season because we have got the players to do it sometimes. Like, you know, not across a whole season because... We're gonna. You basically need a middle three of Gabamon, um, or Schneidel, but Gabamon, Delph, and uh, Andre Gomez, maybe Tom Davies. But you know, drop Sigurdsson, put one of the centre midfielders in there. But obviously, Tom Davies, you know, it's a long, long conversation whether he's good enough, you know, to play consistently in a long spell of games. Fabian Delph is good enough, but you know, he's older. He gets more. He gets a lot of injuries. Um, I think we would have seen Gabamon, Gomez, and Decore a lot more if we'd have um, if we'd have signed them, and we'd have seen Sigurdsson sort of move into that role where yeah he plays some games from the start, comes off the bench others. Depends on the opposition. One thing and I will say is before just to back up my you know certainty about us going to the four three three, is that Silva has always wanted this you know traditional number six who sits deep so he never had that in, in Garner Gay because he was obviously more combative he was more energetic he was the Kante type position where he'd you know, press everyone uh, in a 4-2-3-1 but he never sat between the two centre-backs and the reason I'm so sure we're going to switch to that is because before um, before matches we always always last season did a drill where the back four um, on the pitch would all stand in a line, the back four line, and they pass between each other. So, you know, Coleman had passed to Keane, and Keane had passed to Zuma, or now Mina, to, uh, and then Mina had passed to Luca Dean, and then back across, and they'd practice passing amongst each other as a back four. Whereas against Watford, Gabamon was in the middle of it. So you had Gabamon with the two centre-backs either side of him, and the, um, the full-backs push wider. So I think that is eventually what he wants to do. But to do that, you can't have Sigurdsson as well because the centre midfielders will just play in a in a narrow line because Sigurdsson mm-hmm. will not sit deep with Gomez. He might be able to, but he hasn't done it so far while he's been at Everton. He's always been further up the pitch as sort of a second striker. And if Gabamon's second striker, yeah, if Gabamon's going to sit that deep, Gomez needs someone else alongside him. Whether that was would have been Decore or. Um, whether it'll be Delph. But if you do that with the two centre midfielders with the sitter, then you, you, your front three can stay much higher up the pitch. So they'll get more support for the likes of Calvert-Lewin and you'll get more chances on goal. That will suit Richarlison especially because he won't be starting so far back. Bernard, for example, Iwobi, they'll all benefit from starting really high up the pitch because which a 4-3-3 allows them to do. A 4-2-3-1 the one who stays higher up the pitch with the front striker is is Sigurdsson. So I think we will switch on to that. 
because now he's got this number six in Gabamon, but obviously he's not going to rush into that because the player still needs to bet in himself. But mm-hmm. second half of this season, definitely next season, when we get another transfer window, I think four three three will be the long term um, formation, and Sigurdsson will just sort of either either he'll ask to leave because he wants to start every game. I can't see that, or he'll be one of those. We'll have that luxury like other other big clubs do, where they've got quality players who don't start every game because of other quality players. It's yeah. something we're not used to. We're used to having eleven players. 11 to 13 players like they're our players and the rest just sort of fill spaces on the bench and we hope no one gets injured ideally you want to be at the point where you no, know, you could change it around you could change formation for a game you could change um, the composition of you know the midfield the forward line the top clubs do it Man City are perfect at it like not to compare ourselves with them they can play any combination and you know change it up Liverpool try to do it but obviously there's such a drop off in their quality level compared to you know like you know, if they if they if they change it round, they've got to bring in Shakiri, who is a good player, but he's not a patch on their usual forward players and and so on. Like that's what I think he wants to do. He wants to phase mm-hmm. Sigurdsson into a different role and have the option to play his preferred four three three. He's finally got his player to play there as a number six. He just needs another number eight to go in alongside Gomez. Delph can do it, whether he will or not over a whole season I don't know I think we'll see it at spells though yeah I know uh, Silva when he was at Watford the way he used to run is he would have and this is I'm just reminding people of this I'm sure a lot of people already know this this has been well documented I'm sure Capu Decore and then one of either Hughes or Tom Cleverley playing that third role now I find that interesting that we are talking about Decore if he were in playing more of the Hughes cleverly role rather than the role he played with Silva at Watford, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that just depends on personnel. The fact that we have more personnel to play these other two positions compared to that third position, you know? Uh, But that's the thing. Sigurdsson, I don't think, when I think about what Gilfie can do... Uh, and his work rate and everything, his work rate and his athleticism and everything is very similar to what Hughes and Cleverly can do. You know what I mean? He's just he's just a better finisher. Period. He's he's about equally as good of a passer, right? Um, and if you watch him defensively, how hard he works defensively, he does a lot of work. Mm-hmm. The guy runs. He covers a lot of ground. Um, so can he do that role that Silva had? That other role? Yeah, he could. You know, but I think people are really into the idea of having a more athletic, quicker player that can press the ball up forward a lot quicker and create more opportunities in that that third, you know, that third role if we do four three three. That's what people are really fixating on. That's why we think, oh, okay, Decore is gonna would have been our guy. Because he is athletic. He pushes the ball forward. He does he does create more chances. Um, from open play. Um, yeah, it's fascinating trying to take a look at who we have now and how that would work and how that would function. I do think Delph would work in that particular three. You know, if we were, if it, if we were to do that. Delph in that, uh, in one of those 
more offensive attacking roles compared to sitting deep. I think as far as sitting deep players, right now we only really have Gabamin and Schneiderlin. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones who sit back, unless you want to start really talking about depth. You know what I mean? Going really deep into our squad. Well, Silva but- was at pains to stress, wasn't he, that... Um- when Delph came in, he wasn't coming in to replace Adrissa Gay. And yeah, yeah, and remember, we didn't believe, or you didn't believe him. Yeah, I didn't, but it, it, it's Terry's a naysayer. <laughs> it's more or less because now you can see that he's no, because I'm going to buy a number six, and I need another box to box type. You know, I need two mm-hmm. Gomez's, I need you know, yes. or I need players of that ilk um, because I'm not going to play with an Adrissa Gay now. That that was. Mm basically what he was saying like yeah he's not going to replace him because i'm not going to have that player anymore i'm going to have a sitting number six so basically a better schneiderlin he's yeah he's he's back in schneiderlin at the minute because he knows that kabamon is new to the league and he'll need cover he'll need competition but i think you know schneiderlin's not going to be starting if kabamon you know takes to the premier league as we hope he does yeah, it's it's the way Silvers wants to play for a long time. He said in his first press conference, "I want to play you know four three three is my position," but he's never really had the personnel, and you couldn't have a player like Adrissa Gay and not play him. He was too you know. You have to play him. Yeah, that was the big thing was is having this this awesome player right who doesn't really fit. That we talked about that a few times last year. You know, I remember that. Yeah, and it's funny when you think about Tom Davis here because of the 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 Watford personnel we were just talking about. Tom Davis fits in really well with the Hughes cleverly role. You know what I mean? If you're thinking about those players, he plugs in really well with that. So um, I'm wondering if if we'll see Silva do, and maybe we already have, and we haven't paid close enough attention, go from 4-2-3-1 when we put Davies in for Sigurdsson, Davies, we play more similar to that 4-3-3 style. You know, I've noticed he plays farther back than Sigurdsson does. Yeah, I think I think that's so. probably why he offered him the contract because he's like, I need mm-hmm. a guy for that position for when I want to roll like that, and he doesn't have anyone else. So you know, yeah. lots of different types of midfielders for different options, and that's that's where he, he always says it: different options, different options, different solutions. I do love that. He wants a lot of players, all good, and some of them are going to miss out. That's what all the better clubs have, you know, have got. We've because we've recycled so many players over the last few years, we've not had that luxury. But if we can get back to that, where we've got a lot of, you know, a lot of legitimate like starters, and you don't know who's going to start, that'd be, you know, that that's good. that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, we should wrap this up. Terry's Terry's recording device is going to die if we do not. Um, so. Uh, I would talk about this more, though. i got to be honest. I love this topic. I think it's great. I do feel like there is... I'm going to give it a little time, though. I'm going to see how Silva manages this as far as who we... Personnel and people getting used to positions and everything and starting to get more fit. I want to see how it works. But So I, I'm hesitant to say it needs to be happening now. But in a month from now, if we're still not creating much, we got to think about it. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time for the lightning round with Terry. We've done lightning round with Terry before, I think, once upon a time, many, many moons ago. Um, but we're going to do it again because, you know, you just can't learn enough about about our people, you know? 
So um, the way lightning round's going to work is I'm going to ask Terry 20 questions, and he has to answer them as quickly as he can so, to make sure that I'm getting getting an honest answer. You know, I don't want him thinking about it and sugarcoating it and, and you know, thinking about the answer that he wants us to hear. Like, you know, what's your favorite movie, Citizen Kane? Oh, he's so insightful. No, no. I want the real deal, all right? So, uh, so yeah, here's lightning round with Terry. Terry, do you have any questions pr- uh, prior to starting? No, not at all. Hit me. All right. So, Terry, we begin. Terry, what's the best sports film? I don't know. Are there any good ones? I can't think of any good sports. Rocky. Rocky one. That is the right answer. I just want to say that out loud. Um, what's the last book you read? Last book I read was um, it's got a pretty ominous name. It's called Deathfire. It's in a series I read um, based on the Warhammer 40k universe. It's science fiction uh, prose. So, science fiction prose. Very geeky, but I love it. All right, that's allowed. Uh, So, Scarface versus Goodfellas versus Godfather. Who wins? Goodfellas. Okay, Uh, Terry. In one sentence, convince me to own a cat. Oh, they're great. They, you need to own a cat because you get half, maybe less than half the love of dogs, but I'll, less than 5% of the work. Okay, that's that's pretty good. Uh, what's your favorite non-Everton team? Uh, Barcelona. Okay. What's something that you like but other people think is gross? My wife. Um, <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Oh, ouch! I couldn't think of anything. Terry, else. Terry, with the with the old school com- comedy routine, <laughs> very take my wife, please, right there. That's <laughs> she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> All right, so so that's your actual answer. We'll just go through. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really boring. I don't really like anything that's gross and pretty, uh, pretty boring like that. I was expecting something like cottage cheese. All right, cool. All right, right, so uh, Game of Thrones, which house or family do you belong to? Uh, Lannister. Lannister? Because I'm an asshole. Not because I get up to, you know, things that I shouldn't do with my family. Okay, so you say, so you say. All right. (laughs) Um, So going a little more cultural... Which visual artist is your favorite? Um, at the minute, I quite like a guy called uh, Futura. Um, Futura two thousand. Um, I think if you Google him, um, that's what comes up. Um, basically, does a lot of like sort of shapes. Basically, he does a lot of like really, really bright, like you know, uh, bright, colorful, like sort of shape collages. So he's very much into um, like. Um, trainers, sneakers, and things like that. He's mm-hmm. involved in designs for stuff like that, but that's how I came across him in that sort of way. Wow, that was not what I was. I was expecting like Van Gogh or something. I was not expecting that at all. Wow. All right. All right. Uh, what's the best comedy show? Ooh. Um. All time. Not doesn't have to be now. Oh, I've got a personal favorite is. Red Dwarf, but the Ooh. the funniest, the best ever. It, it has to be Only Fields and Horses. It's just it's just got to be. 
I have to watch this. Everybody keeps talking about that for years, and I've like never seen any of it. Oh. Cool. Okay. Great. All right. Um, uh, and by the way, I own all of the Red Dwarf oh, they're, series. They're, they're a personal so favorite. Many. I couldn't yeah. conscience not say. I've even read like some like there's a Red Dwarf book or some or multiple. I've read one of them. I know that a friend let me borrow it. So yeah, I'm not Red Dwarf. Um, what's your dream USA location to live? Uh, like if you could live anywhere in the United States. Uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. <laughs> so we could go and watch Everton games together and have a beer. We'd, we'd be able to go uh, go to the, to the to the pub. It'd be nice. Yeah. Um, um, where else? Uh, I, I don't want to say New York City or like Manhattan because that's really cliche. I, I, I'd like to go somewhere like um, New Orleans or somewhere like that. Hey, hey, that's good. Florida. Well, I quite like the look of Florida. It looks like a nice place, but with uh, crazy people. There's a. You're right. There's a lot of crazy in Florida. Um, <laughs> a lot of crazy in New Orleans, but a different kind. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, next, Lord of the Rings versus Harry Potter. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings versus Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones with Game of Thrones last season. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Last season notwithstanding. Okay, Game of Thrones versus Star Wars. Game of Thrones. All right. Now we see where Terry sits on that stuff. Uh, Terry, what's the best nut? Uh, Jerry Gibson. <laughs> ah, see, I, I had a feeling you were going to tell me a human's name. He, but <laughs> he, the humble, the humble salted peanut. Ah, um, pick an NFL team for this season. Who's your NFL team this season? Uh, the Patriots. Oh God! Because shouldn't have asked you. Oh, break my heart! They're the worst, Terry. But they're oh, anyway. They're also the best, which is why I picked. Them. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, so Terry, what's the best film soundtrack? Ooh, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm gonna have to say it used to be Pulp Fiction, but Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm gonna say. The I was about to whisper to the microphone and say he's gonna pick Terry. But no, shocking. All right, there are there is a lot of good music on there. I, I'm with you on that. So this is this one's a little different. Uh, Terry, which celebrity would be, you be okay with if they walked in on you in the bathroom? <laughs> um, Sam Allardyce, because I'd like I want him to smell it. <laughs> Wow! Best possible answer. Oh my god! All right. So, following that up, what's your favorite alcoholic drink? Uh, Jack Daniels and Coke. Really boring. J- Jack and Coke. Favorite superhero? May have asked you this before. Oh god. Um, Long term, Superman. But I'm not really happy with a lot of his films recently. I'm agreeing. That's good. I'm with you on that. I grew up watching all the Superman movies, and that was my favorite growing up. Yeah. So yeah, I loved uh, Superman growing up, but it was like the animated show and the comics and stuff. Um, animated show's good. I got my boys still watch that. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, even though the films are trash lately, still probably my number one favorite. Gotcha. So last question: If my family, if I move my family somewhere, for my, for the sake of, you know, if, if we're just like, we're done with where we are, we're going to move to another country, 
where would be the best place for my family, considering the fact that both my boys play play football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, and and we, me and my wife need to actually have a job as well, and culturally, you know who I am. What do you think is the place I should move them? Ooh. Um, I'm going to have to say Liverpool and get involved. Really? Yeah, could I, you know, no language barrier. The... Um, a fair bit of media that goes on here, you know, and you know you could get involved in that. Um, or if not here, locally in like neighbouring cities, you know, like a lot of the, you know, a lot of production st- companies and stuff around here. Um, and obviously, you'd be close to Everton and to the Toffee Blues, yeah. most of us. Yeah, that would be cool. Okay, I'll look into it. Yeah, so, sorry, sorry if you do that, and I could have said Rome or somewhere like that, but yeah. I'll look into it. I'll look into it. I'm curious. All right. Very cool. Well, Terry, that's that's all the lightning round, man. That's all. I told you. It ends up it ends up over, and you're like, ah, I wish. So I may have to start making more questions for lightning round. <laughs> all right. So I reckon that's that's it. Uh, the final thing is, I'm going to say, Terry, pick a good song to to play us out. I guess that's why they call it the Blues by Elton John. Because Everton were ultimate snides at the weekend and plays highlights of the 1984 FA Cup final where Watford played, they played, not Elton John, they didn't play Elton John, they played Watford and beat them. And uh, and we beat them again on the weekend and Elton John. Oh, you picked an Elton John song. Yeah. And I, and, I, and, I, and I think they don't they no longer sing the Elton John before their game the way they were trying to get that started. I think they decided not to do that. I think they went back to Zed cars. Did they? Right? I thought I thought they made the change and stuck with it. It was gonna I can't remember which Elton John song it was, but I was quite happy when I heard they were gonna relinquish Zed cars. Yeah, I I saw where somebody else said you know that they were happy that that, that the Zed cars Darby's back blah 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 whatever, and and I was like hmm okay that means. Elton John didn't take. Well, we'll see. I guess we'll see. Uh, regardless, I'm totally with this choice. This is good. I guess that's why they call it the Blues. Elton John. Uh, so as we're as we're played out to Elton John, um, it's time to end another another Toffee Blues podcast. We sincerely appreciate you listening. If you you know if you're not subscribed, we really appreciate it if you would. Uh, that way, it'll show up on your podcast feed on. Um, you know, iTunes, Acast, wherever you, Spotify, wherever you choose to, to listen to your pods. Um, if you want more uh, Terry, check him on the uh, Liverpool Echo Fan Jury. I'm sure uh, you can check his Twitter, and he'll tell you when he's going to be, uh, you know, kind of putting out some content on there. Also, uh, everybody, why don't you check out the Toffee Blues website? A uh, lot of a lot of Everton content on there. A lot of a lot of contributors that show up here on the. On both the YouTube channel and on the podcast, you can check out the stuff there. Also, if you're like, gosh, you know, Terry, I have a lot in common with Terry. I want to see what he looks like. Check out the YouTube channel. You can see him in all his glory. Um, And that's really the only reason to check out the YouTube channel. Yes, you can't see it, but he was voguing for you just then. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just wanted to mention voguing, really. That's all that was. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Voguing, if you do that. Yeah, like, like... Yeah, so so it's a shame they're not getting the visuals with this, Derek. So uh, so check out the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. And that's it. 
we're finished. Uh, hopefully we'll be coming back to you soon. Otherwise, until then, uh, bathe in the three points. Be happy about it. And, uh, yeah, starting to starting to get the three when we didn't always use two. It's nice. So, Terry, thanks so much, man. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, man. Take it easy. All right. For, uh, for Terry and myself, we'll talk to you later, everybody. Bye. I guess that's